Yes, yes, yes. Melanated, melanated family. How is everybody doing today, man? This is your brother Harrison. You know I'm back. You know we got to do it again. This is a brand new episode of the Melanated Combo Podcast. Brand new week. Brand new guest. And like I said, man, I'm going to keep bringing y'all these heaters. Keep bringing the guests with the information. Keep bringing you the inspiration. You feel me? We do black history 365 days a year around here, man. You know what I mean? I get excited because having these conversations is what it's all about. So today on the Melody to Combo podcast, I have a young brother, right? Who's an attorney, yes. right? A young brother who came from Kansas, moved to LA, moved to South Central, had to move to Detroit. We know how the urban communities in these environments can produce certain types of individuals. So we got to speak to this brother about how he became a lawyer right how he became a lawyer coming out of all of these circumstances he also what we also got to talk about is the brother wrote a book called the audacity of dope and perseverance family let's let's we we, we gotta get into that title the audacity hear what i say now if you if you from the hood like me if you know how our neighborhoods give it up think about that the audacity of dope and perseverance, these two things can hit you pretty hard. You feel me? So we need to talk about them with the brother. So today on the show, we have the brother Ron Knowles. He wrote a remarkable book about his story, dispelling the notion that just because you come from a certain environment, you have to coalesce with that environment. He's going to break it down for us today. So on the Melanated Combo podcast today, family, please welcome none other than the brother Ron Knowles. How you doing today, Ron? Man. I'm blessed. Pleasure to be here. Another day in paradise, Harrison. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for having me. Definitely, definitely. So first thing I wanted to touch on, just looking at your story a little bit, Ron, it looks like as a kid, you had to move around a little bit, right? So was it Detroit, Kansas City, and LA? Great question, Harrison. So I was born and raised in Kansas. Hmm. Uh, was military kid. So I'm right outside of a, a small town called Junction City, Kansas. Hmm. It's right kind of in the center of Kansas, uh, in our heartland of our country, um, but right next to a military base uh, in Fort Riley. Um, and that's where my, my mother, who's uh, um, my grandfather was uh, in, uh, in the military, was, was trans or stationed in, to Fort Riley. And my father... Uh, his um, dad, my grandfather, was also stationed in Fort Riley. And so that's where um, my parents met uh, at, at, on that military base and in, in, uh, right next to uh, Fort Riley. Um, and here I am. Um, that's how I came to be. Um, yeah. But the, the move from Kansas uh, to these other areas of the country, that's where we get all into the nitty gritty. But born and raised in Kansas. I'm a Midwest boy. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm proud, uh, to, to say that I was born and raised in Kansas. Definitely. A lot of black people don't want to claim, claim, you know, Kansas. Uh, but yeah, I, I will, I'm, I'm very, uh, um, um, you know, proud about where I was born and raised. Now in that part of Kansas, was there a lot of black people? Like what was the demographics where you lived? Great question. And with the military, that's what brought you know, black folks uh, to the area. Otherwise, it's mainly a, a, a Caucasian white uh, majority. Um, still, African African Americans are the minority in Kansas, but in Fort Riley, uh, because of that military base, 
um, there was a concentration of, of black folks that lived in and around the military base. Got it. Got it. Okay. Now, how old were you when you moved to like the Detroit's and in, in, in the LA or whatever? Yeah. So first, um, after my mom and dad divorced, uh, so the book kind of goes into that, the audacity mm-hmm. of dope with dope being like the, 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 the Achilles heel of our family, if you will. So mm-hmm. mom and father got a divorce, crack cocaine. This was in the eighties. That's when, you know, the, the crack uh, epidemic was, was, was in you know full force, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and moms was moving around different areas uh, in Kansas and um, decided that, you know, she couldn't necessarily take care of me, you know, as a son, uh, as we, as I got into my teenage years. Uh, and that's when we, she made the decision. Well, first, you know, I said, I want to live with my dad, you know, as a, as a young um, black, you know, teenager, you know, it's you know, you, you single mom, you know, you kind of feel like you're a man of the house and, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you know, mom's is, is, is tripping, if you will, you know, and he's like, you know, I want to go stay with my dad. You know, I never been with him for a number of years. He's from Detroit. Uh, so mom's, you know, threw me on the Greyhound bus and I traveled all the way from, uh, uh, from Kansas to, uh, to Michigan and Detroit. Hmm. Um, and, but before that, I guess I could kind of highlight family lives in California because my grandfather was stationed in, uh, Santa Ana. Uh, hmm. and so, uh, military bases out here in California. So, uh, the, the family moved into California for, for, for some time. Um, we didn't settle in Orange County. We settled in, in, in South Central LA. Hmm. Uh, so going from Kansas to South Central LA was, you know, a culture shock, uh, okay. very eye-opening experience, you know, going from never seeing, you know, graffiti or gangs, you know, only seeing it on TV to seeing it in full force. Uh, mm-hmm. We were right off of uh, Crenshaw and Martin Luther King Boulevard. But mm-hmm. long story short, it was from there when my mom contacted my dad because I was kind of getting involved in the, the streets and, you know, trying to find myself as, as a youth. And, um, and that's when I said, you know what, I want to go, you know, stay with my pops um, I don't really like it here. And so moved out to Detroit and man, another eye-opening experience when I moved from, you know, from Kansas to, to California and then to, to, to Detroit, Michigan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cause I bet Detroit had a lot of similar energy as like a South central, just as far as how the black people lived amongst each other, you know, it a was, lot of the same stuff, right? It It's like taking the, the, the removing the palm trees and the concrete in South Central LA and replace it with dilapidated houses and, you know, uh, uh, empty uh, lots, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but all the same thing, you know, and, and, and oh, add another season winter, you know, because mm-hmm. in SoCal, we don't have that that winter. So yeah, take all that and transport it to Detroit. Yeah, Harrison, you hit the nail right on the head. It was similar to South Central, only that, you know, no palm trees, no, no, no concrete jungles, what they call it in, in South Central. And, you know, there's still some gang activity in uh, Detroit. Uh, but also, you know, you got the, the, the different weather patterns, what have you, but mm-hmm. still that same blight, that same, you know, that poverty. And, you know, the, everyone's thinking, you know, you're a product of your environment. Now, talk to me about this, because uh, in our community, we understand that you know, the single home rate 
is pretty high in our community. Of course, there's a lot of factors we can discuss that determine that, but it is what it is, right? And I'm a kid who was raised with just my mom in a certain type of neighborhood, and there's a certain energy that goes into that. Now, talk to me about living with your pop. Some of us don't have the experience of going from living mom and kids and everything to, to living with pops. What are some of the differences? Because we need to, men, this is my opinion, Ron, men need to realize how important they are in like the the, the full household dynamic. So yes. what are some of the differences you felt, even if being in the hood in Detroit, like what are some of the differences you felt just living with your pops? Wow. Excellent question, Harrison. So for one of the things was that I wasn't connected to the city. My pops had lived, he was born and raised in Detroit. I moved to the east side of Detroit. Now that's one of the roughest areas of Detroit. Um, so moving there and not knowing anyone, but it was my family that was established in Detroit. So having those those family ties is, you know, who 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 who's who's your people? You know, who do you stay with? Oh, you with you you with the Chappelles, or oh, you with you know, uh, uh, um, Big Mama. You know, everyone. There's always a Big Mama on, on yeah, the block. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Um, my 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 being connected, you know, with my family um, helped me kind of navigate the the East Side Detroit. However, back then I should say my family didn't have the the. Um, the what do you call it the, um, the the wherewithal or the um they, they i'll be blunt they they weren't recognized as you know positive influences of the community if you will there's <laughs> lots of different influences in my family and so when the last name was associated with me it was like oh well, you, you you must do that or mm -hmm. you must be into that and yeah i know like, what you mean no, I'm, I'm not into that, and I don't do that. Uh, but, but because of my last name, I was associated. Um, but you know, not having my my family's connections would have made it a little bit more difficult to navigate in the hood. Because when you don't have those family ties in the hood, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm being um, intentional by saying the hood, not the neighborhood, the hood. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. without having those ties and it's like you know it, 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 they either shun you or you, you you get picked on you get bullied you know or you just you get these certain labels uh, but having those, that family connection that family tie really helped me to to navigate and actually you know because I didn't know my father you know when my, and after my mom and uh, dad divorced when I was mm -hmm. six so I was still young and I didn't really know that side of my family so mm -hmm. that also gave me the opportunity to really get to know my, my aunts and, and uncles uh, mm -hmm. my grandfather um, and even my father um, and so yeah without that you know I think that was so important in that you know I'm being raised by a single mom going and being with my dad I was able to you know identify as a teenager for the first time you know with the my dad's side of the family and how my family was connected and, 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 and evolved in the city of Detroit. Mm -hmm. You know what, while you was talking, I was thinking, Ron, how important that is. Like sometimes as young people, because we come from single parent homes at times, you will hear about your dad, right? And how, how, how the kind of dude he was, uh, how his people operated. I don't think it's nothing like being put in it that way. So you can get a clear glimpse for better or for worse, where you come from. 
I think mm-hmm. sometimes a lot of the young men I've been around struggle with identity crisis strictly because for good or bad, mom or dad, they never been like enthralled in that side of the family. So sometimes as a young dude, you could be walking around with a certain temperament. Let's say you're really funny. Let's say you're really witty and people will be saying that's that's funny. That's how you are. Nobody will ever say, hey, you you, you just like your Uncle Johnny or your, mm-hmm. your daddy's side. If you have, But if you ever been around them, you would see the environment and say, OK, this is where I come from. Sometimes yes. it can create like a sense of normalcy, don't you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, even like going to my grandmother's house um, that I, I never met my grandmother before um, on my dad's side. And just knowing like this is the house that my dad and my my dad's, you know, sisters and brothers were raised in. Mm-hmm. Um, and to know that um, the, 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 the Ford and GM, like we got generations of people that work in these um, automobile factories that I didn't even, that I wasn't even aware of. And so there's this, you know, this like our family has actually made some contributions to this country and um, being raised as, you know, with my mom only, I, I didn't know about any of that side of my family or, or those connections. And so um, I never heard those types of things from my mom, except when I was younger, it was the negative associations with how I acted like my dad, or, or I was going to be like my dad, or you're going to end up just like your dad. And so you know, as, as, as a young child, you're trying to escape all of those labels and you don't want to be, you know, associated with things that your, your, your own mother is labeling, you know, one half side of you as, as bad. Mm-hmm. And so that was something that I always tried to dissociate or, or run away from. But when it came to me actually living with my dad, that's when I actually em- embraced it and, and found some areas of, Oh wow! Where my mom used to say, you know, you're going to be like this, or you're going to end up like that. Um, I would only focus on those negative things, but uh, it allowed me to actually uh, um, realize and learn about some of the the, the things that you know w- where I came from and how I'm connected, um, you know, with my family. Even though my mom and dad divorced, um, it, you know, it gave me a sense of you know identity. Mm-hmm, definitely. No, I completely understand. And that's why fathers need to realize for whatever reason, if you're if you're in a position where you can't be around your kids or you're not around your kids, unfortunately, sometime the mother, other family members, they will create a narrative about who you are and the child has nothing to compare it to. That's mm-hmm. why I always tell fathers, Ryan, you got to be in your kid's life. Now, sometimes yes. you may be in a position where you can't help as much financially or you may be going through things. You have to let your presence be known because really a kid is going to discover who you are. Like a parent can call you whatever, but once they're around you, once they become of age, they'll try to reach out. You'll try to reach out. They'll get a clear picture if you're a good dude or a bad dude, but you got to be involved to have a say so on how that turns out. So that's important, Ron. And a lot of us go through what you went through, bro. Now, something else I want to touch on real quick. So talk to me about like growing up in these environments, right? And um, going through all these things. See, I wanted to paint a picture that you just like all of us, bro. You you are a lawyer now, brother, but the, the fight you had to go through to get there, the neighborhood you, same as a lot of us. So this isn't unattainable to our young men. But talk mm-hmm. to me about why a lawyer? Like you could have, I, I, I know in Detroit and LA, they was talking about basketball. They was talking about football. They, you, you seen the gang banging. What made yes. you say, you know what? I'm going to get into law. 
So I was raided by the feds, Harrison. Mm. And when I was raided by the feds, they took everything. They put our kids in child protective services. They arrested my wife for child endangerment. Um, and I was facing 40 years of federal prison for RICO, for manufacturing, uh, distribution, and maintaining a drug establishment. Um, and this was all for medical marijuana, which is legal in California. Now, I sought you know, advice to open up a legal um, uh, medical marijuana dispensary here in uh, Southern California uh, back in 2006. In 2007 is when I was raided and, and all these events that I just described went down. Now, I was, we had an attorney, but I couldn't afford it because all of my, uh, all of our funds were uh, confiscated and, 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 and uh, uh, forfeited, if you will. Wait, so and just real quick, Juan, just real quick. So you guys, just to paint the, you guys opened a dispensary, like the ones we see now that be damn near in every corner. You guys opened a dispensary and they felt the need to come raid y'all based on something they felt you did incorrectly. So what I was told by my attorneys and, and, and I'm quoting them and in, in that we were, you know, I was a, 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 a minority operating a dispensary uh, when all other minorities that operated dispensaries were either in Oakland or Los Angeles. Hmm. Now I was in a suburban area of Southern California in, in Riverside. Very uh, like a, a very um, conservative area of Southern California, and so I was told that essentially I was raided because of the fact that um, my skin is my sin. Essentially, mm. is what my attorney said because other black dispensary operators back then in LA and Oakland were not touched. Um, and so, long story short, I was um, assigned a, a public defender, um, and the public defender essentially said you should just plead guilty because they have everything on you and, and pleading guilty would have given, given me a minimum of 10 years out of the 40. Um, and so I said, you know what, my, my kids were five, three and one at the time, um, facing 40 years in prison, losing everything. Um, I'm just going to figure out how to fight for myself and, 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 you know, win my own freedom as opposed to, um, put my hands in, in the public defenders, uh, um, you know, leaving it all to them. And uh, so I, you know, to me, it was, you know, either I fight for my own freedom or I'm, I'm, go I'm going to prison. I'm not going to take a, um, a, a public defender telling me to take a plea and go away for 10 years of my life when I followed the law and did everything I was supposed to do. Um, mm. So that pressure, Harrison, and not having any funds, I uh, found a law school that would allow me to attend, even though I was under indictment. Uh, now, a lot of law schools wouldn't even accept my application, um, but really I just wanted to go in order to figure out how to, to win and defend myself because um, I couldn't afford representation. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> this is, damn, Ron, so this is amazing. Wait a minute, so you open a dispensary, they hit you with these racist statues based on the fact that this is something newer, most black people aren't opening up dispensaries in this area. And you say, mm -hmm. okay, I'm fighting for my life. I can't afford an attorney, so I'm going to become one. It wasn't necessarily I was going to become one, Harrison. It was really, let me go to law school to figure out how to navigate these this mm. whole like court. Because I had to do motions 
and I didn't know what a motion was, and I and I had to write a motion because they wanted to suppress any evidence that I that I opened the dispensary legally under California state law, and this was a federal uh, case, and so they wanted to suppress all of the legalities that we followed under state law. I didn't know how to write a motion. The public mm. defender wouldn't write a motion for me, and so I was like, well, let me go to law school to learn how to write some motions, you know, do some discovery, you know, figure out what I need to do in order to to, to, to secure my freedom. So it really yeah. wasn't to, to, to become a lawyer, Harrison, because I was under indictment. So I was like, there's no way I'm going to become an attorney. I'm a felon. Mm. I'm under indictment. Mm. There's, th- this is to fight for my freedom. Got it. Okay. So as far as, cause that's, that's very interesting to me. Did you finish law school or how far did you go in that process? So long story short, um, in 2010, so three years after I was indicted, the Obama administration came into uh, uh, in 2008. And once the Obama administration came in, there was a memo the Department of Justice published that said any um, uh, raids for dispensary operators uh, in states where marijuana is legal, if you follow the law, we're not going to prosecute. This was three years after I was indicted. So in 2010, the Department of Justice gave me a plea now, they weren't going to let me off, you know, scot-free. It's like, we raided you. We, you know, we had the DEA, the FBI, the IRS, you know, criminal investigation unit, and all these man hours to, 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 to throw Ron away for 40 years. We're not just going to throw away that investigative, investigative work and dismiss it. We got to get a pound of flesh. Mm. And what did they get me on? Uh, taxes for filing a false tax return because a medical marijuana dispensary is not legal under federal law. So any tax deductions that we took for the business were not legal. So that was the plea agreement that the Department of Justice, um, um, uh, um, you know, gave me, if you will, in uh, if in in uh, dismissal of all of the other charges that I was facing forty years for. So if hmm. you sign this plea. And you, you, you'll just be um, liable for the taxes. We'll dismiss all those other charges for 40 years. And um, so that's what I got in, in 2010. Um, wasn't finished with law school, Harrison. I was only in school for a year once I signed my plea agreement. And so me and the wife were like, well, I've already finished a year of law school and you know, escaped, you know, 40 years of, of, of federal, you know, bedtime by the chin of my chinny chin skin or whatever you want to call it. And I've already finished one year of law school. If I do three more years, I'll have a degree. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. you know, I've never quit what I've started, if you will. And my, my, my kids at the time were watching me going to law school at Harrison. So it was like, mm. I can't quit something. And my kids watching me quit. I got to set an example. Cause I can't tell my kids not to quit something, but here I am quitting. So yeah. it really wasn't like I wanted to keep going to finish law school. <laughs> it was like, I kind of have no choice with the kids watching me and, and mm-hmm. I've already knocked down one year. So let's do three more years part-time and I'll have a law degree and it'll be worth it. So I, I continued on. Got it. Got it. Okay. So at this point, do you actually practice law or did I you do. just... You damn, bro. I got, so I, so I went through uh, hell with the state bar, you know, just to be, you know, uh, frank. Mm-hmm. Um, but they denied me the because I passed the bar exam here in California. It took me two times to pass the bar exam. I'm, 
I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid to admit that. A lot of my my uh, my comrades in law school took it the first time and passed it. Um, but you know, taking that uh, passing the bar exam, um, there's this uh, moral character uh, process that you have to go through. And, and part of that, Harrison was disclosing all of my, you know, criminal past and, and, and things that I've done, mm. uh, including the medical marijuana dispensary, uh, but also things that I've done in my youth. I was arrested as, as, as a youth, when I, um, as I, I discussed in my book, um, and um, um, just some other um, um, domestic violence things that I had gotten in in my youth as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll happily admit that, that I was the uh, um, abused, not the abuser. Uh, <laughs> most people assume, you know, black men are, are the, the most of the time the abuser. But mm-hmm. uh, you, you, you read the police reports; they're all public. I didn't, I didn't do anything. Uh, but long story short, that's really what the the moral character committee went through as far as my background, and he denied me my law license uh, back in 2016, mm. and so I had to wait and go through therapy um, and really just, you know, a whole assessment of my character, um, you know, at my individual character mm-hmm. um, in order to get over the hump of, of becoming a licensed attorney. And by the grace of God, um, you know, went through some therapy and uh, went through some other, um, you know, realizations as far as, you know, w- you know, what is my purpose as an attorney? You know, mm-hmm. like, what, what am I, what am I really trying to accomplish here? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, once I was, you know, honed in on, on my purpose and, and, and scope of, of being an attorney, I put my application again for moral character and, um, they gave me the, the, the green light and, and gave me my bar license in 2019. Damn, Ron, that's, that's a beautiful story, brother. So it, it seemed like it started with such strife in like, confusion anguish i know you were upset when all that happened you felt like it was a wrongdoing like for you facing 40 years for opening a dispensary when they're on every corner now like to be frank this is bullshit, bro yes you came through that and now coming all the way through it to be an attorney on the other side <laughs> damn bro that, that's damn near amazing bro and that's why i wrote the book harrison because it's that's a lot of people in our culture a lot of black men, they 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 become products of their environment, or they make choices, you know, that may set them back a few years, um, and then they come to the conclusion that this is it, you know. I've already, you know, my 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 bed has been made, and that's mm-hmm. not the case. That is not the case, and so that's really the 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 point of the book is to you know the audacity of of, of dope and dope being um, that achilles heel in, in in many black families um especially you know during the 80s and the crack you know pandemic or endemic or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. um marijuana is is another one that you know they say that's the gateway drug and in, in our in our community in our culture you know the, the there's all these things that say you you know you smoke or you use marijuana it'll lead to you know other harder things if you will and mm-hmm. and, and I'm here to, no it doesn't um, all of that is 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 is, is fake news and, yep. and that's why I wrote the book and and I one of the biggest things that attracted me to your story Ron is the audacity let's talk talk break break the 
title of that book down for everybody, so brother. Was, the audacity of dope and perseverance. So I like that. I, man. I had to do a play on uh, our, our 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 president. You know, I say our president because we've only had one in our culture, and that's Obama. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote the book, um, The Audacity of Hope. And so looking at my situation and circumstances, you know, the audacity of hope, like I hope, you know, that I become an attorney or I hope that I, you know, get, you know, uh, uh, um, above these, these hurdles and circumstances, you know, that's the audacity. I, I like that title. And I'm like, well, the, our, you know, what I was dealing with growing up in my youth was, was, was cocaine and marijuana and, and how that led our family into jail or in, into prison or into, you know, addiction. And it was like the audacity of dope and perseverance in that even though dope is an Achilles heel in every form, whether it be alcohol, um, you know, hair on, what they call mm-hmm. it in, in, in Detroit, heroin is what we call it out here in California. Yeah. Um, uh, it all, um, you know, is an Achilles heel in our culture, in, mm-hmm. in Black um, culture. Um, but we can persevere, we can overcome. And, and that's where the title comes from is, you know, the audacity of dope and that it, 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 you know, puts us down, but it's a spin on the book for Obama, the audacity of hope. Mm-hmm. And also Obama is, you know, a huge reason as to why I'm, you know, an attorney today because, oh, because of that of, memo. Yeah. yeah. Um, had Bush been in, you know, in, you know, as president for another four years, I would be doing a 40 year bid somewhere. So it was looking at that whole palette of like, you know, my situation, the title, Obama, and still coming out on top. Like that's where that title comes from, Harrison. If that, you know, it definitely makes sense. It definitely makes sense because I think when I heard the title, some of the things that I thought about that, of course, the, uh, the audacity of what, you know, all of these drugs have done to our community and to deny that they've played a large role in some of the dysfunctions in our family would be hypocritical. Like that would be yes. like intellectually dis- uh, dishonest. You know what I mean? So I, I understand that. And perseverance is needed. Like it, people think that's why I wanted to have you on the show, bro. And, and, and I'm thinking in my mind, you're a young kid who, you know, decides to be a lawyer and that's how you got to the position you are now. But the fact that so much, like strife you had to go through some of the things you had to go through to actually get to being an attorney that's amazing brother and a lot of our young dudes can learn from that you know what i mean because sometimes the inner city creates like this hopeless environment where many feel they can't come out of and it's difficult it's not easy for everybody people always say just pick yourself up by your bootstraps that type of uh, that type of ideology that's not easy you know what i mean And, and and i think highlighting brothers like you make it more plausible because a lot of our young dudes is looking at hip hop artists. They're looking at entertainers. They're judging what they can be by these individuals, but no, in actuality, Ron, like me and you both know, if you work hard, you can achieve anything you want. You know what I mean? Life is a series of choices. Harrison. Mm-hmm. And as a young person, you don't know that life is a series of choices that, you know what? I had to make a choice to go with the homies to do a lick. And I chose to go with the homies to do that lick. You know, I could have said no. I could have been, you know, oh, you a punk, you a buster. I, you, you ain't down, you know. Um, 
it's life is a series of choices. And, and that's what I'm trying to teach in the book in, 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 in just in, you know, me as, you know, with our community mm-hmm. um, that we all have choices that we make in life and those choices affect our future. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm a big proponent of, I call it the seven P's prior proper planning prevents piss poor performance. Mm-hmm. And a, a, a lot of things don't happen, happenstance. You, you, you have to plan those things and you have to be intentional. Yep. Um, and so I wasn't that way when I was young, I was, you know, just kind of trying to figure out where I fit in, you know, get in where you fit in, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and if everyone's doing that, then that's, I guess that's where I fit in, you know, and, and that's life is a series of choices. You can, you can make a choice, you know, to do something else to, 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 to and persevere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, that's that's completely true, brother. And we need to it's all about the narratives that's being pushed in like the models of possibility. That's what I consider you when I look at your story. To me, you're like a model of possibility that's that this is obtainable if the right amount of energy and effort is put into it. And a lot of our young dudes just don't realize that. Now, talk to me a little bit about the book real quick, the the audacity of dope and perseverance. So in the book, are you speaking about um, just your childhood going, you know, being a military kid and everything you had to go through in that regard? So it it's, it is an account. It, it, well, it's not an account of like facts and events. It, it, it's my own personal experience. Um, so I'll go through um, growing up um, as a youth in the 80s, you know, because I'm, I'm 42. Um, I was born in 79. So, um, you know, when um, like when 1980s hit, I mean, that was when I was in elementary um, in, in rural Kansas. And I, I go through, you know, what I remember and what I see, you know, as a youth growing up. Um, uh, and then, you know, when we moved to um, um Detroit and you know I was a teenager you know and, and what I saw as a teenager um, and dealt with like uh, um, peer pressure you know that was mm-hmm. the first time I smoked marijuana was when I was in Detroit um, and you know at somebody's uh, at the homie's house you know who was also single parents mm-hmm. and they worked so in in most urban communities after school no one's home you know, you go to other communities, you know, you might have the homemaker, you might have someone that's always home. Well, in, on the east side of Detroit, you know, in the early 90s, after I got out of school, all the people that I was hanging around with, that's why I say my, my own, you know, personal experience, because mm-hmm. someone else may say, well, that's not what happened in, you know, when I was growing up in the 80s mm-hmm. or in the 90s. In east side Detroit, when school was out, no parents were home. All we were all, you know, what we call them, um, um, latchkey kids. Mm-hmm. You know, we, 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 we had the key around our neck, you know, so you didn't lose it. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And you open the door, you go into the empty house. But, mm-hmm. you know, some of us would invite some of the homies over. Hey, you know, my mom ain't going to be home until like, you know, eight or nine. You know, let's go home, kick it, you know, yeah, yeah. go over there and kick it. And someone breaks out the herb. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You know, and, and peer pressure, you know, and that's when Snoop. You know, was drinking gin and juice. You know, and and, and the chronic was was was, was yeah. Was hot. Yep. And so you know, you can't succumb and be you know a, a, a biatch, if you will. Excuse my <laughs> French. You know, you gotta be you gotta be down. So yep. um, I I go into that 
in the book. Um, and then in my early adulthood, um, I, I discuss events like the rise of the internet uh, because there was that digital divide between um, the urban community and, and folks that were able to have, you know, broadband internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when I, you know, first got dial up and, and other people in the community were like, what? Oh, you a geek? Like, you know, <laughs> using the internet? Huh? Yeah, using the internet? Like, who does that? You know? Um, uh, and then into, you know, my college years at, at, at um, uh, Kansas University, um, I, you know, traveled all around the U.S. and ended back in Kansas uh, my freshman year in college uh, on a scholarship for, um, uh, um, uh, and I was running uh, track and field and, um, described my experience in college as, you know, a young black male in a, in a mostly white college and how that experience and, and trying to navigate, you know, do I join a fraternity, a black fraternity, you know, because everyone on campus who was black was part of the, you know, the alphas or the Kappa's fraternity. There was only two mm. black fraternities. And I was like, you know, should I join a fraternity? Um, you know, those kinds of experiences growing up, um, that black males don't really have exposure to if you have, you know, two parents in a home. So mm-hmm. these are the kinds of things that I, from my own experience that I described, uh, you know, my, my, in my youth and in my teen years and, and, and growing up, you know, getting married um, how I met my wife um, and how we wanted to raise our family. Um, s- spirituality. I was raised as a Buddhist. Um, I didn't mention my mom, you know, really? she's of Japanese descent. Um, oh wow! Wait, okay, wait, 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 wait. Okay, so you're Japanese and your and your pops is black. My pops is black. Wait, so okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay. okay. Being, you know, I'm, <laughs> I come from a black home, brother. So we Christians, you know what I mean? We, oh yes, we heavy Christianity, heavy, you know, Baptist, these type of things. Buddhist. Talk to me about some of the differences, like being raised from that philosophy, from that standpoint. Man, give me, give me, because it's different. It we is different up to the sky, kind of, but they they give it up a little bit differently. Yes. Than, than Christians do. Talk to me about that experience. That's interesting. Karma is it's I I, I still believe in karma. What goes around comes around. Mm. Um, Hindoku Iyaku is changing poison into medicine, which is another uh, uh, Buddhist philosophy. Um, I used to chant Nam Myoho Renge Kyo. I mean, my mom used to make me sit down for hours as punishment. You know, chanting nam myoho renge kyo. What does that mean again? What does that mean again? I know nam means devotion. That's mm. all that I remember. <laughs> myoho renge kyo. We're gonna have to leave that for another podcast, <laughs> brother. But nam means devotion. Got it. Um, wow. And um, it, when I met my wife, I was still a practicing Buddhist. Um, I had a gohonzon. Um, I used to go to Soka Gaikai uh, meetings um, on a monthly basis. Um, and when me and my wife met, she's a Christian. Um, mm. She was the one that was, you know, deep into the Bible, going to, you know, Bible study. And, you know, she was raised as the uh, quintessential Black Baptist Christian, uh, you know, screaming in the church and you know, guys <laughs> sweating and, you know, wiping the bro off. Like, that's the church that she was raised in. I was yep. raised in, in that church. I was, I was raised as a Buddhist. Um, and I would be scared to let people know that I was a Buddhist because it wasn't the most popular religion. And here I am, a black kid, and everyone else that's black is Christian, but yet I'm a Buddhist. Um, wow. So, but it was what was what was what what was very fascinating to me about Buddhism was this whole push about world peace. 
you know, as a kid, you know, growing up and hearing about, um, you know, uh, uh, Desert Storm. Um, and then like Vietnam was still like remnants of hearing like Vietnam, but Desert Storm was really big when I was growing up as, as a Buddhist. And it was like world peace, world peace, you know, we're all chanting about world peace. So that was, I was really big draw to me, you know, when it came to world peace. But when I would chant, I wouldn't feel anything. You know, I'd be chanting for hours and I wouldn't feel nothing. And mm. I would have what we call benefits as, as a Buddhist. And I would share my benefits in Buddhist meetings. But it wasn't until after I met my wife um, that she, you know, tricked me to meet her at, you know, this place to meet her. Um, and she gave me the address. I go and I show up and it's a church. She's like, you know, I really want you to go here. And so I go in and, and um, I met her. Your volume went out, brother. I can't hear you. The, the brother's volume went out for a second. But imagine that. Like, ha have you guys ever even heard of that? Like a black family, like studying Buddhism. Like that's it's interesting. You know what I mean? Especially coming from an urban environment. I'm sure a lot of us could have benefited from some of them practices. <laughs> Don't let me get started on Christianity. But yeah, you uh, you back, brother? Yes, I'm back. So, yeah. Um, but so the the wife we met at the church heard the pastor's uh sermon mm -hmm. and i felt something that you know i never felt as a buddhist you know i it it was it was it's hard to explain but i'm guessing every christian has 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 felt something before the presence of god or mm -hmm. you, know, you you know you 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 feel his handprint and that's when i was like you know what let me explore this a little bit more Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I felt nothing with with Buddhism. You know, I've I've always practiced and you know tried to seek um, what they call you know attainment, if you will. Mm -hmm. It just it just seemed like a far fetched idea to me. But you know, going to church and and, and hearing the sermon and and then doing the prayer at the end of the service, you know, and then you have to like you know you know ask God to you know show you. I forget what the actual words was, but it's mm -hmm. almost like a, you know, a, a, a um, um, you know, releasing yourself and to God, you know, just let me know that you're there. And mm -hmm. I felt something. And because of that, I, I wanted to dive in a little bit more. My, my OCD part of me is like, you know, let me learn and figure out this because obviously there's something here that I need to, you know, dig a little deeper into. And that's when I, you know, really started getting into, Christianity, learning about God, learning about Jesus, um, learning about, you know, the, the basic instructions before leaving earth mm -hmm. uh, and, 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 and digesting that. And I, I want to say probably around 2002, 2003, that I accepted uh, the Lord Jesus Christ as, as, as my savior. And um, I've been, man, blessed and saved ever since. Hmm. Interesting, because but I, I still still follow some precepts precepts of, of Buddhism. Yeah, um, definitely, definitely. And that's interesting because I understand too, like African spirituality and how that is expressed sometimes may be more in alignment with some of the Christian philosophies and how they conduct themselves and how they practice particular things. The the emotion that they use to get to a certain place, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? That's a little different. 
than Buddhism and other practices that's made on just the silence almost, you know, mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. individuality and the silence, which is a lot different than our spiritualities where it's shouting, it's, it's voodooism, it's all these different things, but it's expressions of hands and emotions. So that's interesting, bro, that you yeah. can even like see both angles, the, the, the dichotomy of Buddhism. Some black kids never, because I always tell people, Ron, I think it's healthy for a person seeking like to be spiritually correct. Maybe you should look into other like versions of spirituality, maybe Buddhism, look into it for a minute, look into Islam, look into Christianity. You never know what would align with your soul. Man, you I didn't know about Islam until I was in, you know, federal lockup in San Bernardino. Um, that Islam, the story is similar. Just there's just, there's a, a a couple tangents, but it's almost similar to Christianity, mm -hmm. especially when it talks about Abraham. Mm -hmm. um, exact same story. Um, mm -hmm. But I, you know, I was what almost thirty years old by the time I was, you know, doing that small little bid because I was, you know, waiting to be bailed out. Mm -hmm. You know, and in federal, because in federal. Uh, you, you you don't get bail. It's you have to put up a bond, and yeah. you know my parents had to put up a bond for the the home, and took you know over two to three weeks. So they had to get it appraised and all that. But long mm -hmm. story short, while I was in there, I was like, no, I gotta you know use my time wisely. So after reading through the the Bible, you know, one of the brothers was talking about Islam, and he's like, what you don't you don't know about Abraham? It's, it's the same story. I'm like, what? And yeah, so you're absolutely right, and. And, and being able to just um, get learned on different uh, um, philosophies and, mm -hmm. you know, just to kind of, you know, so that you're not in the closet on one yeah. particular philosophy, yeah. it's, you know, it, it, you get to open your palate and actually get to um, relate with, with, with other philosophies. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, the, what it all boils down to is um, love thyself, love thy neighbor, um, and, you know, making sure that you, uh, um, you know, that, that you're seeking that, that, that spiritual growth, if you will, in, yeah. in all philosophies, it, it's, it kind of boils Very down similar. to all that. Yep. Yeah, man, we got to, I look, man, I'm, I, knowing about the history of some religions, when I began to learn about the history of some of these things, it would kind of piss me off a little bit looking at my, my family's history and how they've used some of these practices. But at the end of the day, I'm at a point now, Ron, where whatever you're using to make you a better person, because at the end of the day, just like you said, Ron, that's all we're seeking, bro. Mm -hmm. Be a good person. Treat people the right way. Don't lie to people. Be a just individual. Whatever can lead you there. Yep, I'm with you. I just don't like when people use religion at times as a as a means to a get to a place financially, b to mislead people. Like I don't like how sometimes, like everything in our society, Ron, I don't like how things can be used as a tool to do things to people. And I think that's kind of what we all need to be on the lookout for as far as that's concerned. Now, you said there's going to be a second part to the book. What is the second part of the book going to be about? So the second part of the book will cover the essentially the the the, the raid and how we set up the um, dispensary, um, what, you know, how, how, how it all culminated and then ending up to 
the other side, if mm -hmm, you will. Because mm -hmm. um, when you when you when you open or when you first start out in that book, ooh, it's it's supposed to smack you in the face and and and, and have you thinking like, wow, this dude is in deep. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you okay? So now you're able to practice law. Do you think? I'm not going to say, do you think it was worth it? But do you look at the path you got to becoming a lawyer? And do you think like maybe all that had to happen for you to get to where you are now? Absolutely. One of the things that I'm, that I'm very grateful when it comes to my um, um, training and experience as an attorney is to, to be able to analyze you know, things. Um, so for example, when it comes to like politics and cause you just you did discuss religion, mm -hmm. I think politics is the same thing where mm -hmm. we as a culture, as people need to know where did the Republican party come from? Where did the Democrat party come from? Who supported slavery? Mm -hmm. Who, who wanted to abolish slavery? Like how did we get to where we are today? Yes. And I'm amazed at, you know, how much people, you know, our people, our culture don't even know these things. And so for me, I say that my, my, my training and experience as an attorney has allowed me to be able to dig a little deeper in, into these things where I was um, uh, ignorant before. And I would throw my ignorance in the air and justify it and say, you know, I'm reading what's going on today or I'm hearing what's going on today and screw everything that's happened in the past because it's all about what's going on today. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, then you, you get, um, you know, conversations and, and discussions where it's, didn't you know that the democratic party actually wanted to keep slavery in place and actually wanted to, you know, did not want black people to be a part of, you know, society. Yep. We were once Republicans. Yep. Yep. And, no, you would be amazed at how many black people today don't know that mm -hmm, are, mm -hmm. are, are unaware of that um, and uh, or um, that the Republican Party was started to abolish slavery. That was yeah. one of the purposes of the Republican Party. And how did it get to where it is today? So for yeah. my um, as you asked, like, you know, going to, to, to law school and 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 you know, was it worth it? What Was it a big waste of time? I would still be ignorant to a lot of the issues and things that are going on in our world today had it not been for the, my, my training and instruction as an attorney because it teaches you how to not just be surface on mm. issues and with, you know, our history. Um, it really teaches you how to dig into the meat and potatoes and analyze and actually, you know, pros and cons and, mm -hmm. and get into the the facts of things and not, you know, just, you know, fake news, if you will. Um, so absolutely, without my legal training, I would, you know, I'd be passing on more ignorance to my kids. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Definitely. And, you know, it's funny you brought that up, Ron, because I'm just in general, brother. Um, I'm such a big proponent of history. Uh, a part of what I do on my YouTube channel and all the social media accounts attached to this channel is I try whenever I'm aware of things about history, because I read a lot of different books about things that have happened to us. 
how things got created. I share this information because for me, Ron, like being in the position that I'm at now where I want to educate my people and highlight things and celebrate us, the empowerment that's in my soul was created by reading about us, yes. reading about the history. I read about the history and I say, wait a minute. You mean this been happening? You yes. mean this system we're in, it's been the same way almost? It's it's just the past repeating itself. Mm -hmm. So this gives you a calm and an understanding to say, okay, when I read the news, it's unfortunate, but you're filtering. It's a filtering process. Yes. Like, okay, 100% of information, 14% of it's real. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, I have to dig through, dig through, dig through. Okay, that's real. That's bullshit. They're lying right there. Some truth to that. I'll take that piece. I'll I'll look that piece up. You see, it's difficult. That's why I try to create a platform where I'm honest, straightforward. Here's the information. Here's the tip of the iceberg. Take this. Go mm -hmm. research yourself because I always tell people you really don't learn until you yep. dig in yourself. Somebody yep. can tell you, hey, this happened there, that happened there. But until you pick your phone up and get to Googling and go down the rabbit hole of information to get to where you need to go, it's not as fulfilling. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. I was talking to um, a brother the other day, and he was. we were talking about um, the, the Roe v. Wade and oh, yep. like how that how big of a controversy that is right now. Yes. And um, I was like, I was like, man, did you did you did you did you hear what one of the justices said? It's like one of the I'm like, and he's a brother too. He's like, what? Like we, we got a brother on the like, yeah. I mean, he it, Clarence Thomas, it, and but you know, do you know did you know there was a, a brother before him? Mm -hmm. and, you know, Thurgood Marshall? Like mm -hmm. it's 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 appalling and that our own people don't know. Like some of these, like to me, I, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't say that, um, that, um, you know, my own ignorance that I probably wouldn't know, you know, had I not gone to law school and that mm -hmm. I would know, you know, the Supreme Court justice, you know, Clar you know, Clarence Thomas, but mm -hmm. I think, you know, th this affects us as a culture, as a people, yeah. you know, and, 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 and what we've, we, what we've built, you know, as far as on our backs, you know, with this country, mm -hmm. um, and for, a Supreme Court justice to say, "Hey, whatever comes out of Supreme Court, y'all just must accept it." Like, what? Yep. Wait a minute. So you can just go stick your head in the sand, and your 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 wife can send text messages about you know the 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 Capitol insurrection, and 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 then you get to rule on those cases. Like mm -hmm. this is a like to me, it's it's I'm like my jaw is dropping. Like, why is it that? there's not more attention and focus from our community mm -hmm. on, you know, on, on these types of things that are going on that affect our country and the future of our country. Mm -hmm. um, so, but that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> no, but you're right, Ron, because I think sometimes we've been so shut out. Say that again. We've, we've, we've been so shut out of things just systematically that sometimes we've gotten to the point where it's like, why even bother? Mm -hmm. They're going to make decisions that that affect me. I'm black. I'm not a large percentage in this country. They've done a lot of things to suppress my vote. They've done yeah. things to suppress my voice. So some of us say, man, fuck it. I'm not going to deal with it at all. When in actuality, we all know that to make a change, I, I always preach, Ron, if you want to make a change in your neighborhood, in your city, in your community, it all starts with you. 
Like yes. you can look outside of yourself at politics in the political landscape around you. That's one thing. But looking inside of you and say, boom, how can I help? That's actually the first step, because mm. if and, and, and I'm never going to take this back, if you go and all you do is place your vote in a ballot and go back to living your day to day life, I'm not sure how much you just helped out. You yeah. may need to go to the local politics. You may need to go to some of these meetings like these town hall meetings. Some of us don't know because I know sometimes we don't know the jargon in like the language they're speaking. But some of these things are open to the public. Yeah. Yep. Like yep. anybody can go. I was speaking to the lawyer. I mean, to the mayor. I, I, I interviewed the mayor of Centrus Heights, California. She's a Caesar sister. Centrus Heights is a small suburb outside of Sacramento. I didn't even know they had a mayor. This is part of the ignorance we were just talking oh, about. Wow. <laughs> I found out there was a mayor of this city. I contacted her. We interviewed. This is a sister like pushing for, for our liberation. But she says, hey, I can make decisions. But for one, I got to get a lot of white men to agree with me. She didn't say it this way. I'm saying yeah. it this uh, this way. Yep. I got to get a lot of white men around me to agree uh, to agree with me. It's just me amongst a sea of other people. Yep. And then... I need people to show up when I say, hey, this is a community issue. I need people to show up at the meetings and say, yep, she's right. It's an issue because I experienced it last week on the 27th. I have documentation. And I was like, damn, this is my ignorance being like, because a part of me was like, I don't want to deal with politics. I don't want to deal with politicians. I don't trust them. This sister is saying, nah, I'm actually with you. I just took this position thinking it was going to be a little easier to fight for you guys. And it's not, but yep. I'm here and I need your help. You know what I mean? And you made an excellent point. And this is one of the things that I, I just sent this out a group message to, to my, my partners and, you know, to my kids. Um, when I read it, I mean, when you said it, 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 it brought that, that, that quote back to me. If you work hard at a job, you will make a lot of money. If you work hard on yourself, you will make a fortune. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to your point of, of working on yourself and, and not being uh, ignorant and, and being educated. Mm -hmm. um, because once you, you know, once you get in a position where you can actually make a difference, it's, it's, it's not going to be because of, you know, uh, of, of what everyone else is doing. It's going to be what, what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so I wholeheartedly completely agree with 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 that statement and, and, and what you what you just said, as far as, you know, we got to we have to work on ourselves. Mm -hmm. You got to be, you know, um, otherwise you, you're just going to remain ignorant and, and, and uh, you got to be a, a perpetual learner. I'm and, and that's At another thing times. with 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 perpetual black people, learners. with uh, men, you know, even myself, when I uh, finished, you know, my undergrad, pfft, I'm done. You know, I don't have to, we, we've reached the, 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 the top of the mountain. Nah, it's <laughs> you just beginning. Yeah. Just beginning. And even when I got my law license, I was like, man, I've, I've reached, I've, I've made it, you know, ain't nothing to do after this. And, 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 and then I got that first lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, work on yourself and work on and, yourself. And adults, because, you know, I had another sister on the show who's like a romance concierge and she just helped couples with relationship advice and date night and stuff. And she was just making points about a lot of men and women, because we're adults, we think we know how to do something. Mm -hmm. and in actuality, 
<laughs> we could have just been doing something wrong for a lot of years. A lot of years. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Some people don't have you shouldn't hesitate to Google something simple. Like, how do I do this? How, you may feel kind of dumb, but it's gonna lead you down a rabbit hole of you understanding, damn, there's a philosophy and there's an actual way to do this. This is what everything you don't just put brakes on a car. You have to learn about it. And there's a little instruction manual. I think that's what everything would relating to your wife, sexual interactions, being there for your kids. Nothing is just simple. You know what I, I mean? I always tell my oldest because I can't say it to my young ones. Uh, there's levels to this shit. <laughs> <laughs> All day and in, in, in every interaction and in every people interaction, you could become really good at it if you just study it and back up and look at all the dynamics and see where it's going. You can get better at anything, but being stuck in your ways, because they always say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I don't believe that. I don't as long as the old dog want to learn some new tricks, you can teach him some new tricks. Yep. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. Analogy. I was, um, I got this little, you know, because I do workout and I got this little thing that's supposed to help you do perfect push ups. Man, Harrison, I've been doing push ups wrong for 40 years. <laughs> I didn't even know. See? I'm like, man, you know, just up and down, up and down. This band, like, had my my chest all constricted, you know, arms close up. You know, I thought I could knock out an easy 100. I barely got the 20. <laughs> so you, you hit the nail right on the head. If you aren't, you know, elevating yourself, you know, going to that next level, you know, um, um, being a perpetual learner. Mm -hmm. uh, man, you're just going to be that, you know, th th uh, that ignorant, you know, um, uh, what do you call it? That, that stereotype, you yes. know, that all that, 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 that they, yes. that they typecast and label us as yes. we, we dumb and we don't know shit yep. like, man, yep. well, because you didn't allow me to learn anything and you kept me from, you know, um, um, acquiring any, you know, knowledge and experience. And when I did acquire any knowledge experience, you tried to, take it away from me. You tried yep. to, you know, st stop my family yep. from being able to, to, um, to prosper. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's definitely. You know, and both things exist people. Cause I talk a lot on my platform run about racism. I talk a lot about accountability. I think both of these things can exist. Yes. The system has done something to uh, today. Still, you like to tell me, you know, we ain't we ain't slaves no more. Racism was a or, or, or slavery was a long time ago. No, no, slavery is still legal now. If you go to jail, our neighborhoods yep. are being gentrified. This system is at work right now today, right? Yep. But it but it becomes a point. What are you gonna do? You can talk about it. You need to because we need to speak truth to power. But you have a level of accountability you can tap into. See, it's it's not an ex it's not an excuse or saying I'm a victim like a victimhood mentality by saying no. There's a system. The crack epidemic affected my family directly. My brothers, my uncles, my cousins. Today, still, they're affected by these three strikes laws and how this today still right. Yep. So this system affected my family. But I gotta sit back and say, okay, boom. What what am I gonna do? Yep. I can't just make an excuse and say they affected my family. Now I can't be nothing. No, no, no. I'm gonna learn it. It's like learning how to drive somewhere. You yep. can avoid the potholes. You can avoid where it's going to be an accident. It's the avoiding it and using it as a source of empowerment. Like we've done some great, great, great things in this country and yes. abroad. We've done some great things. You got to tap into that. Yep. They know. Yep. See, they, they know who you are. Yep. You and don't know who you are. You know what I mean? And and that's from my, my legal practice is, is trying to provide pro bono services. Mm. Um 
you know, because the, the access to justice in our community is abysmal, uh, notwithstanding that there's not that many black attorneys. Mm. Um, and so the access to justice is, 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 is just the gap is, is so wide. So uh, my uh, my because uh, I my day job, you know, I am I, um, I'm, I'm a uh, corporate lawyer. Uh, so my technology background it's what I do um, on the day to day is um, making sure that, you know, businesses, they don't get hacked or or or, or have issues, you know, from a compliance perspective. You know, so mm. I do um, keep businesses out of litigation. That's that's my day job as an attorney. Mm. Um, but um, my passion is is pro bono law for um, undervalued, underprivileged, underserved communities. Mm. Um, so um, from adoptions to DUIs. Uh, t- um, you you name it. Um, I, I I was harassed at a store, and I don't even know if it was racism or not. Um, I I look at all those types of cases, and and I don't charge um, um, for those types of cases uh, because of you know th- this is the the th- this is what I can do my contributions to our community um, and and help others to to learn. And to, to pay it forward and just, man, just to elevate, you know, our community and our people. That's what it's about, Ron. That's to me, bro. That's the hopes of all of our professional black people like yeah. that. That's my hopes for all of us to get to a position of influence where you can leverage your influence in what you've become to help us. Yep. It's easy. Like I was saying earlier, you could just go vote, Ron. You could just say, <laughs> I'm a vote and hope that uh, they help me out sometime. But you yep. say, nah. I'm going to put my feet to the fire because we know uh, 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 when, you know, the public pretenders, they make it difficult. A lot of mm-hmm. our brothers is in jail. They ain't had that bail money. The public defender working with the judge. They just came from lunch together mm-hmm. and decided mm-hmm. your fate. <laughs> they decided yeah. your fate over lunch. And now now it's just a, 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 a now it's just they're just going through the motions right now. You know Man, what I mean? you called one of my chapters in the upcoming book, Public Pretender. And that's yeah, literally. And uh, what you just described is is all in that chapter. Uh, and it's but, unfortunate just because you didn't have money, you couldn't mm-hmm. fight it. Now you're doing 15 years, and then you take that deal. Everybody think that deal was the best. Yep. Sometimes it ain't. Sometimes mm-hmm. if you would have fought it, they didn't want to spend the money to go through all the the, the process of you fighting it. But sometimes if you fight it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, it may fare better for you, but they want you to take that deal. Oh, it's always the if you lose. You could get worse. I, my public pretender told me, you know, you got 40 years. Mm-hmm. If you fight it, you might get 50. <laughs> <laughs> but if you take the plea, you'll get 10. Yep. Like who, Harrison, who doesn't go for that? Who, who in their right mind in these cold ass walls, this stanky outfit I got on, mm. I want out of here. Man. Yeah. Okay. Where? Hey, sign, where do I sign? sign? Where? Come on. Yes. Come on now. And you know and, what I mean. And that's 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 what I'm trying to make a dent, make an impact on, if you will. Yes. So I that's <laughs> definitely necessary, brother. So Ron, I appreciate you chopping it up with me today, man. This is this is what we need, brother. Yes. Like you, man. your your mission. I'm here to tell you, man. Keep on going, because I know a lot of times too just helping people is a thinkless job at times. Like being in a position where you just want to help somebody and you have a good spirit and want to help out. Sometimes it's a thinkless job. Sometimes it's some, sometimes you, you know, sometimes you're not compensated for it. Sometimes you're not, you don't feel appreciated, but this is the work though. 
Yes. Like, if you really want to ass- like help people and make a difference in this world, sometimes it's lonely, it's thinkless. You don't feel rewarded, but somebody got to do it. You know what I mean? Harrison, I think I could be spending 40 years in federal penitentiary in, you know, uh, I think it was what, Salinas or uh, Petaluma or something, somewhere here in some federal penitentiary in California. So whenever those thoughts cross my head, I'm like, thank you, God. There you go. So grateful. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, this is so thankless, but it could be much worse. It could be much worse. And how many brothers do we know that are in the penitentiary who are smart? If you sat down and talk to them, nothing criminal, you would feel not, no criminal nature about them. They're smart. They're educated. One day they made a mistake. One yep. phone call, one car ride, yep. one little small mistake. Boom. Now they in here with every type of criminal in the world. You know what I mean? Yes. That happens. Yes. That happens. Yes. Well, have you ever seen the show Rock? Rock, no man, if because you you forty, so I figured you know. Back oh no, in rock, the, rock, back in the day, rock. Yeah, yeah ROC, yeah, 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 ROC, yeah, yeah. Charles S. Dutton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, with, with with his brother Joey. And, uh-huh. and, okay, so what a lot of people don't know, and and what I just you know learned myself, he did ten years in prison. Charles Dutton did. Charles Dutton did ten years in prison in Baltimore. Mm. came out and got his bachelor's in, 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 in acting, then went and did a few stints and, and, and uh, you know, acting gigs and what have you. And man, it, it came out with his own show. So Jeez. these are the, here, you didn't even know that? A lot of people don't know that. And this is, uh, you know, our own people, mm-hmm. you know, a, a black man who mm-hmm. went to prison and with a bunch of other, you know, really bad people yeah. came out and man, you know, made a, made a huge difference. And so perseverance. Yep. And so, um, um, that, you know, it's, I try to highlight, you know, stories like that, you know, not just mm-hmm. my own, but there's uh, tons of others, but, um, I, I highlight my own because, you know, Charles Dutton, you know, 10 years, my senior. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so folks that, you know, if you're a millennial, or if you're, you know, on the cusp of, of Gen Z, you'll, yeah. you'll read my story and you'll be like, damn, okay, I, I, I can I can relate to this. There we go. There we go, brother. So again, Ryan, I appreciate having you on the show, man. Once the second part of the book drops, I want to have you back so we can continue this conversation. So it was really, really good having you on the show. Everybody, please go pick up a copy of The Audacity of Dope and Perseverance. The, 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 the book is available now, right, Ron? That's correct. Yep. Yes. Get it at your favorite Amazon website. Yes. Go pick up a copy of the book. So again, I, I thank everybody for tuning into another episode of the Melody to Convo podcast. Please go to the YouTube page, the Melody to Convo, subscribe, all the digital platforms. I'm there. Continue to like and share all the emails and the conversations that people start around what I do. I appreciate it. So again, the brother Ron Knowles blessed us with his presence today. I appreciate you coming on the show, brother. Man, this has been appreciate you too, man. Thank definitely, you. definitely. Now tell everybody where they can uh, reach you. Do you like your social media or anything like that? Man, I'm off the grid, but I'm on LinkedIn. When it comes to uh, Instagram and Snap, like I'm off the grid. I mean, I'm an IT guy. You know, I'm a yeah. lawyer, I'm a lawyer, so I got you know be I'm, I'm in the cut. But LinkedIn, <laughs> I, I de- I'm definitely active on LinkedIn. I'm uh, at uh, Twitter at Ron Knowles on Twitter as well. Um, but man, if you want to uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, I'm glad to to to, to connect back and and um, uh, and and partner with folks online. 
Absolutely. Definitely. Definitely. But don't worry, Ron. I'm going to make some clips of the show. I'm going to have you on Instagram a little bit, have you on Facebook a little bit. You know what I mean? Respectfully, though. You know what I mean? I appreciate it. Just telling your story. Definitely. Definitely. Well, everybody, thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of the Metal Combo Podcast. This is your brother, Harrison. 